Amen. You might be seated. The Lord is good. Amen. I was just thinking about that song as we were singing. It's, it started out, as you've probably noticed, you ought to praise him. And then it ended up by saying, I'm going to praise him. We don't want to be telling other people what to do if we're not willing to do it ourselves, right? Amen. Amen. Well, we're glad that you're here today. Thank you for being at New Life Church with us on this Sunday morning. And um, I'll go ahead and let you know that all of the scripture that we're going to be using in the sermon today, and there's a lot of it, is on the screen. So I put that there for you so you wouldn't have to be flipping and looking and searching for time's sake. I thought it would be easier. And this morning I want to share with you a, um, a sermon, as has already been mentioned in the spoiler alert there, extravagant praise. Now you uh, will understand, perhaps by the time I finish this morning, what I mean by that. And also I would like to let you know that this is part one of a two-part sermon. Today I'm going to be dealing with passages in the Old Testament. Next Sunday, Lord willing, I'll be dealing with passages in the New Testament that give us examples of praise and the point that we're trying to make here. I tell you what, I believe there's some praising been going on this morning though. Uh, some, some celebratory praise, some heartfelt praise and worship, and we thank you for that. I would like to give this a little uh, explanation or disclaimer before we get started. I don't want people to get running off in the wrong direction in their minds about what we're going to be saying here. Paul, in the New Testament, gives some instruction to the Corinthian church concerning certain abuses that were taking place in public worship. Now... Paul was not talking about limiting or banning praise. I want us to understand that. We do know that there's some things, some excesses that were happening in the Corinthian church that Paul addressed. We we know that to be true. However, he wasn't banning worship. He wasn't banning praise. He wasn't trying to limit our options as as far as being obedient to the scripture to praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. So I just wanted to give that caveat as we began today and introduce this. You'll see on the next slide the biblical rationale for what we're going to be talking about today. I've listed the uh, scriptures there for those of you who may want to jot them down before we take off in a few moments and go through these in quick fashion. Um The word extravagant, according to dictionaries that I've looked up, I've selected certain phrases or definitions that I thought might be helpful in helping us understand the uh, point that I'm trying to drive home in the next two weeks. Extravagant is defined as exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate. Lacking restraint. Costing too much. And I added this one simply because I thought it kind of captured uh, the idea. And that's simply just being over the top. Sometimes a little overboard or a little over the top. That's, that's the definition of extravagant. And so today I'm going to talk with us about extravagant praise. The first mention of praise in scripture is found in the book of Genesis. And we'll turn there momentarily. I would like to share with you that praise is mentioned 305 times in the Bible. I would also like to bring out the fact that 177 of those times, those mentions in Scripture about praise are found in the Psalms. I think that's quite revealing. The book of Psalms is definitely a book of praise. It's a book that gives us direction and insight into the heart of God and into the heart of a worshiper as to what should be happening among God's people. And maybe I'll go ahead and give you just a little glimpse into where we're going. There are some people that are going to think whatever you do, if you do it in obedience to the word of God and out of a heart of worship, there are going to be some people who are going to think anything is extravagant. Right? 
So when the Bible tells us to do certain things as Christians, there are some people who are going to think that's extravagant. There are churches today you can go into, and if you lift your hands in worship, there are some churches you can go into if you lift your hands in worship, they'll ask you to leave. There are other churches that if you lift your hands in worship, man, everybody in the building is going to be going, because it is so unusual in that particular congregation for that to happen. But we're going to examine some of the things that are biblical and some of the things that are right in God's eyes. Not extravagant in his eyes, but maybe extravagant according to the culture that we're in today. uh, Where the Bible commands us and commends us to do certain things. Genesis 29 verse 35 is the first mention of praise in the Bible. You've heard me say many times over the years... It's often very revealing to go into the scripture and find the first time in scripture that word is used and then extrapolate from that what it means. And it usually is a pretty good rule to follow throughout the rest of scripture. It's called the law of first mention. When a word is mentioned in scripture for the first time, pay particular attention to that. Because it's very helpful in understanding the nature of what that word really means. And so today we're looking at the first mention of praise in Genesis 29 verse 35. We're going to read about one of the patriarchs. The patriarchs in in the definition uh, classically is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name, as you know, was changed to Israel. Now, Jacob in the preceding verses that I didn't list here, but Jacob has married a wife. He's taken a wife and her name is Leah. And Leah up until this point has borne him three sons, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. Leah has another son, and that's the one that this verse is talking about in verse 35. And the scripture says, and she, Leah, conceived again... And bore a son. And she said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. We understand from this passage and from just looking in a good Bible dictionary. The word Judah, the name Judah means praise. Judah means praise. What does Judah mean? Thank you. You're with me. We're going to read another passage in Genesis chapter 49 in just a moment. But before we get there, I'm going to tell you that it talks. There are several references in the next passage about lions. Strong as a lion. Eating like a lion. Killing the prey. Rising up and that type of thing. So what we have on the screen there today is the present day symbol or emblem of the city of Jerusalem. And what's on it? A lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. You're familiar with that phrase. So where we're moving now in scripture was from the the time that Judah was born. And his mother says, I praise you, Lord, for what you've done. I'm going to call him Judah. That's going to be his name, Judah. So now we're moving to the end of um, Jacob's life. He's about to die and he knows that. And before he does that, he's blessing all of his children. I can imagine him as he knows his days are short and he brings his 12 sons before him. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel had 12 sons, the 12 tribes, and all the other children that were born to them were known as the nation of Israel or the children of Israel. So as Jacob now is bringing his sons before himself and perhaps laying hands on them and blessing them and pronouncing a blessing on them, we're going to read now what Jacob had to say to and about Judah. Genesis 49 verses 8 through 12. Judah, I like the way this is worded. You are, he's speaking directly to Judah. I want you to get that. Judah, you are he 
whom your brother shall praise. It would really be nice if we had the time to go back and read what he said to all the other brothers. Because some of it wasn't very complimentary to some of them. But to Judah, he says, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. You're going to be a conqueror. Your father's children, your brothers, that is, shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? He's mighty. He has power. People look up to him. And then the scripture goes into this, in this particular blessing, sharing some things that go forward to the time of the coming of Christ. And all of us probably understand already that Christ is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. So the scripture says in verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. And that brings to, to our minds the time when we had the triumphal entry and the riding on the donkey and the shedding of his blood and his clothes being stained and so forth in this particular passage. Verse 12 says, his eyes are darker than wine. And his teeth whiter than milk. Quite a lot of complimentary, very meaningful things were said to Judah in this blessing that his father pronounced upon him. To say that Judah was an important Old Testament figure would be an understatement. We'll come back to him in just a few moments. The Bible tells us about Moses leading the people of um, Israel out of Egypt. And after Moses, there was a man named Joshua who led the children of Israel. And then Joshua passes away. So now we come to our third open door here into this particular uh, subject. Judges chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Where the Bible says now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord saying... Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? In other words, Moses had led the people. Joshua had led the people. Joshua has died. They're kind of at a loss. They know they've got a job to do. Some things need to be accomplished. They don't know how to approach it. So they go before the Lord and they say, Who shall be first to go up for us against our enemies to fight against them? At least they had the wisdom to ask, right? And the Lord said to them, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I had delivered the land into his hand. In other words, the Lord was saying to them, children of Israel, if you want to have victory and if you want things to go well, you better let Judah lead you up. And Judah means what? Praise. I'll submit to you today that praise is of extreme importance, far more than we realize. If you want victory in your life, you'll need to discover the discipline of praise. Now, why would I say the discipline of praise? Because praise doesn't always come natural. Praise is not something you always want to do. The Bible talks about the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes you're in pain. Sometimes you don't feel well. Sometimes you've hit rock bottom. But I want to tell you, there's never a day that goes by that we should fail to praise God for who he is. Praise is extremely important in the life of a Christian. Sometimes you won't feel like it. But as a Christian, you should do it anyway. Because God says in his word, it says in his word that God inhabits the praise of his people. David said it this way in his manual on praise and worship, the book of Psalms. David said, I will bless the Lord every once in a while. Y'all going to let me get by with that? 
No, he didn't say that at all. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And he didn't just say, I'm going to praise the Lord sometimes. The way he did it was he said, I'm going to praise the Lord and all that is within me. In other words, I'm going to give it all I've got when I praise the Lord because he's worthy. He's a great God who has done great things and I'm going to give him the praise that he's worthy of. Again, praise is mentioned 305 times in the Bible. 177 of them were in the Psalms. Here's just a few things that David had to say about praise. Now, we've talked about Judah. That's where the word originated and started in Scripture. We understand that he was a, a prince of a man, blessed by his father, named after this, this wonderful attribute and activity in the lives of Christians, praise. I want to go now to uh, Psalms and just give you three or four examples I think that might help us. The psalmist said... Clap your hands, O ye people. Amen? So, he didn't say, patty cake for God. Did he? He said, clap your hands, O ye people. And then he said, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. He didn't say, whisper a praise or mumble a praise. He said, shout a praise. Sometimes when we go to church, everybody's expected to pray quietly, to praise quietly. I want to tell you today, the church is not a funeral home. We're not here to celebrate death. We're here to celebrate life. And we ought to act like we're alive. And we ought to bring glory and honor and praise to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we ought to, and I'm going to put this in my language now instead of David. He said, and with all that is within me, I'll say it this way. Give it all you've got. Give God your best. Not patty cake for the Lord. And not mumble a little something. I praise you, Lord. Then sings my soul. No, that's, I'm talking about getting into it and meaning it and giving God the glory that he's worthy of. He said in Psalm 81, sing aloud to God our strength. I like, I tell you, I like our singing in our church when we sing loud. I like to hear the piano loud. I like to hear the guitar loud. I like to hear the drums loud. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We don't come here to, 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 to mealy mouth and patty cake and murmur something to the Lord. We come to celebrate the goodness of a great God, a powerful God. You think about it for just a moment. I just wish all of you, I dare you. Is that, is that bad manners? I dare you. I dare you sometime this week. On, after it gets good and dark to go outside and look up in the sky and take a few minutes to adore the diamonds that are all in the sky and the stars that are shining and you think about who put them there and if that doesn't make you want to praise God, you don't have it right in your head yet. And all the worlds he created, all the stars he created, just by the, the power of his word, he spoke them into existence the sun is 93 million miles away. That's the closest star to the earth. And it goes on and on and on. And on a dark night, if you're looking real carefully and your eyes get adjusted, you can look beyond the stars and you'll see just hazy stuff up in the sky. Just constellations and gatherings of stars millions and millions of miles away, we're told. And that was, you know what the Bible says about the stars? I mean, there's just... They're innumerable, and the Bible says a lot about it. But what I'm thinking about right now is, is he, made the, he made the earth and the sun and the moon. And then the Bible says, oh, and he made stars also. And you go out and look at the stars. There's been times in my life when I would just slow down. Just slow down and get away from all the noise around me. And maybe just lay down on a hillside and look up in the sky. And maybe see the trees blooming in the springtime and the birds singing and flying. And notice what God has made. That's what the song's talking about when it says, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder 
Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe is displayed. Sing it with me. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Let's give the Lord a hand. Lord, we love you here. We give you praise this morning. You're an awesome God and we count it a privilege to be children of the Most High God. We bless you in this place today. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here. You know, we all have dark days in our lives, worrisome days, things when things, days when things don't go well. And even in those times, we're supposed to praise the Lord. Amen? See, if we got the idea that we praise Him in the good times, it's a song we used to sing a lot of times around Thanksgiving. In the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. In everything, give the king of kings all the thanks. Boy, if we praised him only when we felt like it, we might not praise him very often. But he wants to be praised continually. He's worthy of being praised continually. I'm going to give you an example now from scripture as we go to window number four, Second Chronicles 20 verses 2 through 22. This is a long passage. So if you just listen, you'll get the story. King Jehoshaphat got some bad news. This tells how he handled it. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying... A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. That was a good move. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. That was a good move, or Judah. So Judah, remember Judah? So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. How many of you know when you pray, you need to be honest? He's being very honest. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. 
Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. I wish we had some kings and presidents that would do that these days. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up. Listen now, they're not whining, they're not complaining, they're not murmuring. They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Now it's time for battle. Here we go. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. Isn't that something? He's getting ready to go to battle and he's worried about the choir. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Get a picture of that in your mind if you would. They're going to battle and a choir's leading them and they're singing praises to the Lord. I'm going to tell you there's a lesson in that. You got some battles you need to win? Why don't you start praising the Lord? You'll find out it'll make all kinds of difference. Now, when they had begun to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, with Jehoshaphat in front of them, to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies." So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of these countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest all around. You know what? The best way I know to win the battle is to praise God. Sometimes we murmur, sometimes we complain when we should be praising. And even when things aren't going well, he's still worthy because he's still God. Sometimes we um, we confuse the difference between praise and thanksgiving. Typically, thanksgiving or giving thanks, we give God thanks for something he's done for us. We praise him because of who he is. So no matter how you're feeling or what has happened in your life, he still is who he is and always will be who he is. And he's the creator, the maker of us all, the one who blesses us. He's worthy of praise no matter how we feel. You may not feel thankful, but you can still praise him. You make that decision to honor him for who he is. It is he that has made us. Not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And we have committed to give him praise and to honor him for who he is. Now we're talking about praise. Extravagant praise even. Remember one of the definitions was it cost too much? Sometimes we need to understand that it's it's never too great a cost for us to give praise to the Lord. 
Tim, stand up a minute if you don't mind. I'm going to tell on Tim. Raise that right hand up. Now, Tim is a, a carpenter and a builder. And he all but cut one of his fingers off this week. And he's got it bandaged up. And I've heard more praising of the Lord coming out of his mouth this morning than anybody else. Thank you, Tim. Amen. I mean, that's a pretty good example if you think about it. You see, we don't, we don't lay down and cry and whine and moan and groan. We know God is still God no matter what happens in our lives. We give Him praise because He's worthy. We give Him praise because He's God. And when we do that, He will fight our battles for us. According to the scripture. Well, window number five. This is the last one. Second Samuel. Six verses six and seven. I, I don't know. This may be my favorite of all the ones we've looked at tonight or today. It, it tells so much about human nature and the differences of way, the way people look at things. Most of you are familiar with the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was taken away from the people of God by the Philistines in a battle one day. And then it was moved in different places. It was very, very important piece of hardware furniture uh, in the in the tabernacle and later in the temple. It, the, the, the presence of God dwelt there between the, the cherubim on the mercy seat. Uh, we could talk a lot about the Ark of the Covenant. You've seen movies about it. I think hopefully we are familiar enough with that to know what it is. Well, David, the king, wanted to recover the Ark and bring it back. To its rightful place in the tabernacle of God. And so the Bible says in 2 Samuel 6 verses 6 and 7. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. Now here's the king. He desperately wants this ark back in the tabernacle where it belongs. But in their efforts to go get the ark and bring it back, they had failed to look at the the instructions that God has given of how the ark was to be handled. So they got their cart and everything, got it together, and the king was happy, and they all went out to get the ark and bring it back. But then as... It started to shift, the cart did, as I reached out to grab it, which was, most of you know, was a no-no. You, you didn't touch it. It was supposed to be carried by hand in a different way. So as I died, David was devastated. He was so disappointed. For the next three months, the ark rested in a place, in a particular residence, in a community, Three months later, David heard that those who had the ark were being blessed. And he decided again, I need to get the ark and bring it to its rightful place in the tabernacle of God. So the Bible says in verse 13, that now after this three months, they're going to get the ark. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces. I love that. When they had gone six paces... And everything had gone okay. Boy, then David, he had a spell. The Bible says he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. I mean, he could see it was going okay. We're on track now to do this thing the right way. And the Bible says in verse 14, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Now, first of all, let me say this. If we were to go over to another account in the Old Testament that gives us same information. We would read in the other account that this was a special occasion and King David had on his robe. In this account, it's not mentioning the robe because he's already removed it. And so the Bible says he is wearing this linen ephod. It's properly pronounced, I'm told. So David and all the house of Israel bought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Notice, he danced before the Lord with all his might. And he's wearing this linen ephod, just like a, <laughs> just like a 
men's undershirt that went all the way to the floor. A tunic. Laid his robe aside. David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David, who also happened to be David's wife. Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids and of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. You took off your robe. You're the king. What's wrong with you? You took off your robe and you paraded around in a t-shirt like everybody else, dancing and singing, whirling around like a dummy. That's what she said. So David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. And will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. In other words, they don't have a problem with me. You're the one that has a problem with me. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She was not a God-fearing woman. She didn't care anything about the law, about God. She liked living in the palace, but she didn't know the God of Israel. And I will say to you today that if you're letting what somebody else says about you keep you from praising... You're being robbed. You're being robbed. Listen, you should never let your fear of what somebody else might say or what somebody else might think keep you from praising the God who is calling you to praise him. Amen. Why should I be more concerned about what you think about me if I want to lift my hands or say hallelujah or or get happy and run around the church one time? Why should that matter to me if that pleases God just because you might not like it? You see, in God's eyes, these may, not may, these are acceptable forms of worship in God's eyes. Now, they might not be acceptable forms of worship in somebody else's eyes. They see it as being extravagant, but God loves it. God approves of it. God is happy to see his children be exuberant and happy and joyful in praises as the psalm talks about many times. I just don't, well, I'll just tell you, I started to say, I just don't know how I could. I couldn't. I could not go to a church where I couldn't praise the Lord. I couldn't go to a church where I couldn't feel his presence and was told if I wanted to raise my hands, and as I do often, most of you know me, and let the tears flow down my cheeks when I worship the Lord. I'm not going to go to a church where they look down on me for doing that. I want to go somewhere where I can honor the Lord, be obedient to the Holy Spirit, give God the praise that he's worthy of. This is a place where we come on Sunday morning. We have the right to celebrate and make ourselves at home. Amen. We shouldn't be sitting around worried about what somebody else is going to think. Don't worry about what they think. You just make up your mind. You want to please the Lord. He'll take care of the rest. Is that true? Praise. Praise is extremely important. Don't let what others might say about your praise hold you in bondage. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As our musicians are coming, we're not going to sing this song, but I want to give you the words to it a little bit as we're preparing to worship in, in our closing segment here today. There's a song we used to sing. It says, I feel like praising him. I feel like praising him. 
I don't care what the world may say. I don't care what the world may do. I'm going to stand and praise his name. I feel like praising him. Now that ought to be our attitude about praise and worship. God is an awesome God. He has power and ability. And sometimes we have allowed the McCall's among us or in our community just to, just to, just to squish our praise and our, our willingness to be exuberant in our worship for the Lord and our praise for Him. I'll tell you, the world is looking for something life-changing. I'm going to tell you right now, if you know Jesus and you are indwelt by the Spirit of God and you listen to His voice and are led by Him, you know that living for God is something to be excited about. Right. It's not a drudgery. It's It's not a... As a matter of fact, I think probably if we were to be truthful about it, if, if we would draw near to God, God near, God would draw near to us and we would experience things we have never ever seen before. Right. As we yielded to the Lord and worshiped Him. And I'll tell you one thing, according to the pattern that I see in Scripture, if we will step out and praise God, He will fight our battles. Yes. Amen? Yes. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the uttermost. When I think And turn me around How he placed my feet On solid ground It makes me want to shout Hallelujah Thank you Jesus Lord your word Bless your name today, and we're so grateful for your word. 
And we're so grateful that, that we can feel your spirit and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our sins have been forgiven, that we belong to you, that the Holy Spirit stirs within our hearts. Lord, I just pray that you would awaken something in us and help us to be unashamed of who we serve and unashamed of what your word says and unashamed, Lord, of of the, the house of God and the doctrines of the scripture. Just help us, Lord, to be so in love with you, sold out to you. Lord, help us to take a stand for you. Help us to be bold for you. And help us to praise you every day of our lives. No matter what happens and what comes and what goes and what we lose and what we gain. Lord, help us because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are God and there's nobody else like you. You're the creator of all that is and we purpose in our hearts today. We're going to praise you. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, Lord, is to you. We give you glory today. What an awesome God you are. We praise you today. Let's sing this like we made it today. It's our last song before we pray for our needs.
said it a few months ago that I feel like God's been preparing this church and I think this is just the next step. He's teaching us how to give him praise for the great things that are about to happen. Amen. We're getting ready to enter into a time of prayer. If you have a a request today, uh, whether it be by uplifting hands or speaking out, uh, please feel free to do so. As I shared last week, these requests, we need to be praying about them daily and lifting each other up uh, as we go through the week, not just here today. So Listen intently and closely so you can lift your brothers and sisters up uh, this week as we go forward. our seniors over here. So. Anyone else? Yes. All right, let us bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time of worship today, Lord. We thank you for the sweet spirit we felt, Father. We thank you for the praise that has went forth, Father, today. Lord, we thank you for the pastor's word today. Lord, we know he spoke from the heart as you've laid upon him, Father. And we thank you for allowing him to teach us, Father, what praise is, Father, and how it should go forth. Now, Father, I pray for each and every person that's under my voice today, Father. I pray that you would hear these requests as they've been lifted to you, Father. I pray, dear Lord, that we would put them at the feet of your cross today. We've done so by speaking them and by raising our hands, Father. And so, Lord, we put it in your your hands, Father, to know that you can take care, Father. You said you would answer anything that any two or three shall agree upon, Father. So we agree together. We agree this week together, Father, as we lift up in prayer that we will hear praise reports soon for the answer of these prayers. I pray blessings upon each and every person that is here, Father, and keep us safe as we go our separate ways. For it's in your name we praise it. Amen.